Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet. Our lesson this week comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, so also should you love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've been so angry the past couple of weeks, or I've been so angry the past six years or longer, but I've been angrier the past few weeks, or at least as angry as I was in November 2016, probably more so, though, because I admit I was naive enough to think that things are going to get better. And instead, they seem to have gotten much, much worse. And I'm angry because hatred, violent hatred, persists in this country. And those in power, those who could do something about it, have declared themselves impotent. And that's absurd. They hold all the instruments of power, wealth and status, and are choosing to do nothing. I suppose because it all benefits them in some way, too. I don't understand it, and that makes me angry also. I don't understand it, but here's what I know. People hate women so much that they won't trust us to care for our own bodies. They call us overeducated as though such a thing existed, when what they really mean is that they lament that we have any education at all, any sense of autonomy at all, and ultimately, they value a cluster of cells over our actual lives. People hate women so much they want to see us suffer and die. People hate trans kids so much they persecute their parents for creating space for them to grow into the people they long to become, and They refuse to call trans kids by their chosen names or identified pronouns, even though they know that gender-affirming care is suicide prevention. People hate trans kids so much they want to see them suffer and die. People hate queer folks so much they want to stop them from marrying, from adopting, from raising their own children, from visiting their loved ones in the hospital, from even speaking their own identity. People hate queer folks so much they want to see them suffer and die. And people hate immigrants so much they lock them in cages. They separate them from their families. They refuse to pay them for their hard labor. Labor we depend upon for food, for shelter, for health care. They confine them to migrant camps. 
They want to take formula from their babies. People hate immigrants so much they want to see them suffer and die. People hate black and brown folks so much. This country hates black and brown folks so much that 400 years of white supremacist violence isn't enough, that systemic oppression is the law of the land, that the police state has unbridled authority to murder them in the street, that Fox News can make billions off of peddling white nationalism, that local congregations would rather coddle their own racists than lose their tithes, that we protect guns, we protect guns instead of people studying the Bible together or walking home with some Skittles or playing in a park or protesting injustice or shopping for groceries. People hate black and brown folks so much they want to see them suffer and die. And yeah, I could go on. People hate Asians so much they'll beat them in the street. And people hate Muslims so much they'll murder them at prayer. And people hate poor people so much they don't think they deserve clean water to drink or air to breathe. And people hate the sick and disabled so much that they've stopped even acknowledging the pandemic that still threatens them. And people hate the elderly so much they'd push them off a cliff for the sake of the economy. And people hate so much that they want to see anyone who is in a wealthy, white, sachet male suffer and die. So I'm angry. And I don't know if you're angry, too. That's the hard part of this one-way conversation. But I'm going to tell you a few things as I remind myself of them. First, it's okay to be angry. It can be a holy thing to be angry, especially if your anger arises from injustice. That's the tradition of the Psalms, the tradition of the prophets, the tradition of Jesus whipping those money changers. And it's okay to be sad too. That's also the tradition of the Psalms, the tradition of the prophets, the tradition of Jesus weeping with his friends, Mary and Martha, the tradition of Jesus calling out in Gethsemane for another way. The tradition of Jesus crying out on the cross for a God seemingly absent. It's okay to be angry or sad. Those are faithful, hopeful responses. God has promised us good things, and God, God has some explaining to do. Holding God accountable with your anger and sadness is a faithful, hopeful response because it ultimately shows that you trust in the truth of the promises of God yet to be fulfilled. And while I'm thinking aloud, I'll tell you that my great annoyance in the background of all these awful things is that the majority of the people promoting this violence have the audacity to call themselves Christians. And they don't just identify as Christians, but they claim that they are motivated by the same faith I claim, by the same scriptures I read, by the same God I worship. Well, there's a lot we can debate in this faith, and there's plenty of room for a broad, generous orthodoxy. But theology, worldviews, 
policies that hurt people, that threaten their lives? That ain't it, Chief. You can't hate women and trans kids and queer folks and people of color and, well, anyone, and pretend to do that in the name of Christ. Like, get my Lord and Savior's name out your mouth. Our God is a God of love. Jesus gave us a new commandment to love one another, to love one another just as Jesus loved us. And Jesus said that the mark of discipleship is love. And yeah, that's not always easy. It's not always easy to discern what the loving thing is to do. And even if you see the loving thing, it's not always easy to actually do it. But it's love. It's always love. Love is our origin. Love is our constant calling. Love is our fulfillment in heaven. And advocating for policies that kill women, that elevate the suicide rate among trans kids, that dehumanize queer folks, that promote violence against black and brown people, that's not love. That's not the gospel. That's not Christian. That's incompatible with our faith. I might not always know what love is, but I know that isn't it. That isn't it. I think we have to be louder about that. I think we have to be louder about differentiating ourselves from those who peddle hate under the banner of our faith. I'm done worshiping with congregations where these atrocities aren't addressed from the pulpit. And I'm done associating with churches that embrace racists and misogynists and bigots of any form in their membership or who tolerate them for the sake of some supposed civility. And I'm done accepting invitations to discuss these issues as though the essential humanity of others is up for debate. And I'm done giving even a moment to criticism that speaking out against this sort of violence is in any way political. If someone thinks that anti-racist work is political, then it means their politics are racist, that their politics are white supremacy, and that's on them not on me, and not on the gospel. I'm done because these aren't abstract academic exercises or wild theological musings. People are suffering. People are dying. And as long as we play purple church games or call for decorum or try to appease or stay in relationship with those promoting hate and violence— more people will suffer and more people will die. Those are the stakes. Those are the stakes, not congregational decline or civility or fellowship or niceties. People are suffering and people are dying and more people will suffer and more people will die unless we act, unless we speak, unless we stand up for Christ, for the gospel, for love for love. It's all love. It's only love. 
I know this isn't a very theologically rich exposition of Scripture. Our lectionary text invites us to look back on Jesus' teaching on love in light of his crucifixion and resurrection, to take an Easter lens to what we've heard before, to what we've heard before, but what these other supposed Christians have apparently never heard before, but this love, this Easter love, it's an extraordinary lesson, an extraordinary example of love in Christ's life, death, and resurrection, that beyond the healing miracles and the teachings, Christ loves us so much that he submitted to death to bring us to life that he defeated an empire by surrendering himself to it to prove it meaningless, that he took our most violent impulse, our drive to murder our own creator, to annihilate the very source of life and being, that he gave himself to our wickedness and he created something new and beautiful and everlasting from it. All out of love all from love. We're supposed to keep telling that story, to keep living that story, to keep exploring that story of love. And that's hard enough in this world without so many people corrupting that story, abusing that story, manipulating that story, using the cover of that story for hate. And so, yeah, I want to probe the deep theological questions with you, but Today, I want to invite you to take a stand for love, to take a stand for Christ, to take a stand for one another. You don't have to fight these folks or debate them or even engage them, but hold fast to love. Don't compromise on love. Keep telling the story of God's love for us and how God has called us to love one another. And keep pointing out the hatred, the violence, the bigotry around us and calling it what it is antithetical to the gospel, antithetical to Christ, antithetical to our faith, antithetical to love. You know what's right. You know what's good. You know what's love. Don't give up on love. God has never given up on us. Love is our origin Love is our constant calling. Love is our fulfillment in heaven. May you be loved, and may you love others well, as Christ first loved you.